it's so difficult to make any sort of change. It's so – did you know that oh, – 8% of the population achieves the goals that they put out for themselves. Oh, I believe it. So 92% of the population does not accomplish their goals. Hey everyone, it's Holland Roden, and we are back with another episode of Uncoupling. And this week we have the amazing Dr. Humor. Thank you so much. We we are graced with your presence being an expert in this field. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So we, kind of you to ask me. She is also known as the feel-good doctor. She's an amazing psychologist who gives expert advice in all parts of the relationship, as well as being the CEO of Therapize Me. Eris <laughs> was the star of Bravo's TV, LA Shrinks, which I did not catch on Bravo, and I'm going to go back and read watch this. I think that's an amazing concept for a TV show. And she literally wrote the book on breakups, Breakup Emergency, A Guide to Transform Your Breakup to a Breakthrough. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So we have this topic called past life self that we want to talk about today. Will you expand on that? Yes. So it's all about your past self. So whenever you are... So let's just talk about relationships. I like to put... I call them relationships, R-E-A-L, putting the real back into your relationship. So taking a real look at your relationship and why have I attracted this person into my life? Mm. We really attract people unconsciously from our past self life. So it's what happened in our childhood, who our caregivers were, what we saw, what we saw, how our caregivers interacted with each other. Exactly. Monkey see, monkey do. You know, we become our parents as much as we might not want to. We do because it's really our conditioning. And our conditioning has been passed down from generation to generation. So it's like our parents, our parents' parents. And then, you know, as past generations were in our past life, you know, our past self experiences, Mm -hmm. we have more information now than they did, but it's just passed down from generation to generation. This is how you will be in relationship from how you saw your parents be. And so then you attract a person into your life unconsciously to heal those internal wounds that still haven't been healed. By the same characteristics that wounded Mm -hmm. you in the first place. Exactly. And so if you haven't healed those parts of yourself, you have an opportunity to grow through relationship. But we don't think of it that way. You know, we're more about the attraction and the sex and the birds and the bees and the la-la land. the hormonal (laughs) boosts of serotonin. Yes. And so those serotonin, it's actually past life lessons that you still need to pass self, you know, like from your childhood. So you have these internal wounds that you still need to heal that you get to experience through relationships, that you can learn through relationships. So I see every relationship as an opportunity for growth is really what it is. It's like two people who are a mirror reflection of each other. Mm. And it's usually dark side stuff that you're attracted to unconsciously that you still get to work through. That's so interesting. So do you feel like with past life self, it's it's generational within yourself of, of, of childhood me, current me, future me. But at the same time, it's, okay, the millennials were born from the, the boomers and the boomers were born from I should know that generation before boomers and I don't. Uh, um, silent generation. Silent generation. Mm-hmm. So 
do you feel like the the if we're doing like a rubber band ball, mm-hmm. it's it's ninety five percent of the same rubber bands with five percent of new conditioning put on there through society, and then as we go down through Gen Z, well, we then did Gen X through millennials to Gen Z. By Gen Z, they grew up on the internet, five, four or five years old, they knew what the internet was. And millennials, that's myself, mm-hmm. I think my first cell phone was when I was a teenager, and writing papers on the computer was relatively new in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't have as much access to technology, essentially, while mm-hmm. Gen Z does. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that's accelerating the way we change from generation to generation, What the more we have access to information especially through social media and the internet essentially at large. Meaning like – Meaning that will like learn better like, you know, monkey see, monkey do where, okay, I grew up in a tumultuous household. But now I see on Instagram there are all of these self-help groups that talk about rage from a a paternal figure. Right. And so you'll have more – we are Te- the age of information, right. right? So our parents, the silent generation, the boomers, they didn't have all the information we have out mm-hmm. there. So it's pretty much so like this is how you – this is what you do, right? Now we have an opportunity where we can face ourselves and create a better life for ourselves. But you still have to do the work on yourself. And so I believe the best work you can do – on yourself is through relationship because mm. it's really challenging to be in a relationship. I, I mean, I've the been real relationship. The, the real, real well, relationship. yeah. I mean, I yeah. I've been with my husband for 19 years, and I feel like that's one of my greatest successes mm. because I grew up in a really toxic example of what love should be, which many of, of us do. do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and so this is when you see your parents and that's how you were for your first 18 years of life. And this is how your parents interact with each other. That's how you're taught to interact with, right. you know, unconsciously, this is just what you become. And so you get out in the world, you're like, now I'm an adult, I'm going to create a whole different life for exactly. myself, I'm going to have a whole different relationship. But then you find yourself in the same relationship, in the same patterns, the same life as they had, the same interactions, same lessons. And you maybe didn't want that, but now that's happening. So now you have to face it. You get to face this situation and make whatever changes you want to make to make a better life for yourself. Do you feel it? Because I I did not grow up, and I would say uh, my parents divorced at eight, did not, don't, still don't speak without a lawyer. So- I did not grow up with a good mm-hmm. model mm-hmm. of of a married married couple, mm-hmm. and I would say I I feel like there's a tipping point of two different people that get out in the world. And when I was 17 and left home, I went to Los Angeles, and thankfully went to a, a big self help guru type movement that is Los Angeles mm-hmm. that believes therapy is just as important as going to a physical doctor. Thank God. Thank God. And I dove right into therapy, and found myself even teaching my parents in my 20s. And that's not me. That was the therapy working through me. Mm-hmm. And so I guess, are there certain personality types or what would you say it boils down to as to how do people find the help? What makes them want to get help? Like you're saying, once they get out into the world and they're determined to change, how do you do the work? And if you're not the natural person personality type to want to seek out therapy and Actually get on the website, see what's in your network, like actually do the real gross computer work that it takes to find a therapist. 
what well, would you we, say when do we when do we really want to get help? It's when we usually hit a rock bottom mm. or we find ourselves in ruts. Okay. And so when you find yourself in a relationship and you're not sure if it's going to work out or not work out, you're feeling really uncomfortable, that's when you usually seek out help when you're in a shit place yourself. That's when you're you might say to yourself, okay, I need to make some changes. And then you have to have big enough whys. Why am I going to make these changes and a big enough need to make those changes in order for that change to occur? So I think that through relationships, it's one of the greatest opportunities. That's why with breakup emergency, you know, you talk about it's not when you go through a breakup or if you're uncoupling or there's so many opportunities for you to evolve as Mm -hmm. a person, for you to get yourself in a better place through these experiences. You have to look at these relationships that you attract in your life and then ask yourself, okay, why am I in this situation? Where did I learn this? Why is this what it is? And then you have the opportunity for growth right there. You find that it's when people are on the rock in a hard spot Mm -hmm. that they come in. Oh, yeah. It's so difficult to make any sort of change. It's so – did you know that 8% of the population achieves the goals that they put out for themselves? Oh, I believe it. So 92% of the population does not accomplish their goals. It's only 8%. Hmm. And it has to be a big enough why and a big enough drive. And so relationship rock bottoms a lot of the times can drive you forward, you know. I think it's important to mention for listeners is – like I said, I I got got into therapy at 17 – but what I got into therapy for, I'm still doing today. And it's not to say that I was a bad therapist. I've had a couple. I think it's to your point that it's even if you're seeking, you're actively seeking it even before the the rock, you know, rock in a hard place really mm-hmm. hits rock bottom. It's still the change is still really hard to implement in your everyday life. Right. And that's the change you're talking about is even if you can get to a therapist before it's rock bottom or you think you're doing the right steps, you're trying to implement the right steps ex- externally or physically in your life, the actual change is is uh, – that's, oh, that's the tough part. That's why I became a therapist, to be honest. Like I had bad relationship after bad relationship, of course, because my parents were divorced and they fought all the time. Wow. You know, So it was – I kept attracting these – toxic relationships in my life. And then I went to therapy to try and figure out like you, you know, at a young age. And the therapists and the therapy I was doing just kept me in my problems. Mm. And the more you focus on the problems, the bigger the problems get. But the more you focus on the solutions, the solutions start showing up. Right. 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 But you still have to face whatever it is within you to make the changes. And that was not happening in the therapy that I went to. Yeah. So what did you seek to find? Then you saw those shifts in your life happening to find your partner now. So when I went through a breakup when I was 27 years old, this was somebody that I thought I was going to marry, white picket fence, 3.2 kids. This was the one. And then he broke up with me over the phone without any indication. Right. And uh, it, I hit my rock bottom, mm-hmm. and I was so depressed. I thought my life was over, and I went to therapy, and nothing was helping. You know, I was like, I do not understand why I keep doing what I'm doing. So I actually had taken my journal. I was doing some mind dumps in my journal, and writing and writing and writing, and out came my book, the first part of my wow. book, and that's how I got my master's degree in psychology. Then I got my doctorate in psychology, and 
my thesis was actually a breakup So this emergency. man really had the biggest blessing in yes, your life to I give you. I was so <laughs> grateful. And that's the thing is that relationships are a gift, a gift of you to understand more of who you want to become if you allow it to be, even if it's not a good relationship. Mm-hmm. There's so many lessons there for you to learn. So then it's then you have to ask yourself, who do I want to become? What kind of relationship do I want to attract in my life? Who's the person that I want to become? So you have to start being that person you want to find. I think that at least in the Western world or America specifically, that we are taught the relationship is the journey and it's the last stop, like being physically in the relationship. And Mm -hmm. one of the reasons we started this podcast was there's the beginning, middle, and post. You're going to break up with most people in your life. There's only going to be the minority left, Mm -hmm. you know, one, maybe two. Mm -hmm. And so you got to get really good at the beginning, middle, and end. And the ending not being a failure, it's like you said, it's the it's the continuation of the lesson. It's the greatest gift, you know. Why would but we're you... not taught that? And so we're trying to right. relearn we that. We have to learn that. Why would you want to be in a relationship that isn't allowing you to be the me that I want to become? And like, who's the me I want to be? I think it's because we prioritized a romantic partner over ourselves. Exactly. That's what we were taught growing up. It's the it's the most foundational modeling of all through every single outlet of of the Disney multi is it trillion dollar business? I mean multi billion dollar business that is fairy tales. Right, fairy tales. And relationships are not fairy tales. They are really complex and complicated. And when you get back to what we were saying earlier on with the generational thing, mm-hmm. you're not only dating that you're not only with that person, but you're with that person's parents and that person's parents parents and it goes on and on and your own self so there's so many layers to it and it a person in a a healthy relationship should inspire you to become all that you want to be not bring you down right but the most powerful relationships are the ones that you can work through your dark side to get through the light they're always going to be complicated they're never going to be perfect right. relationships and so again it's just an opportunity for you to grow and if that person can be your greatest partner then the opportunities are endless but just taking it as this partner in my life can help me become all that i want to be and that's I think that's the key to success. Mm-hmm. And at what point, for uncoupling purposes, do you say how does I guess generational unlearning come into uncoupling? Like, what? How would you say you could evaluate? Oh, this is something a person can grow out of, or these are the problems I see presented with, like you said, pre- prohibiting me from being the most me I can be. How would you say that? I guess how how would you decipher the tools or or the the check the checklist sheet of of saying okay they're not going to outgrow this generational unlearning or they or they could. So I always say that whenever the relationship is not going okay, you need to give it your all, one hundred and fifty percent. So you need to be the lead. So when you're 
questioning the relationship. If you leave the relationship prematurely, you're doomed. You're always you're, the what ifs. Will the what ifs you. are always going to be. There's going to be back and forths. You're going to break up, get back mm-hmm. together again. You know, you're just you're going to tr- end up attracting the same lessons in your life. The next person. So, what does that checklist look like when you can give 150 percent? You're all. What does that look like from a therapist's point of view? So I say that you would um, ask yourself, oh, my God, there's so many lessons. There's so (laughs) many, right? So you want to say, okay, first of all, I say it takes one to tango. Okay. So you need to be the lead person in the dance. Mm -hmm. So you need to make – give it your all. You need to become the person you want to – attract in your life. And then you ask yourself if I can do it. So you start making the own changes within yourself, not waiting for that other person to change, not waiting for your partner to make any changes. So if I can make the changes, then that can actually make the whole relationship dynamic change. One person makes the changes in a relationship. Mm -hmm. So let's say you start becoming all that you want to be and you start making those changes within yourself, then that other person might become inspired to also start making those changes. So then if I can, you can, we can, mm-hmm. right? So that's that means the relationship Modeling will in last. itself right. is that you could be the right. model for the other person. Right. Um, and so a lot of times we point our figures and we do the blame game and the tit for tat and nobody ever wins those games. Mm-hmm. Blame game, tit for tat, nobody's ever going to win. And that's what the majority of the people do. They blame the other person for being a jerk and for making the relationship horrible. Well, why don't you just start taking a real look at yourself in the mirror mm-hmm. and see, okay, why am I in this situation? What are the parts of myself that I need to heal? Because it's really about you. That's really all it's about. So then you start looking at yourself, start working on yourself, start facing those things within yourself and see who I want to become. Can this person inspire me and help me to become that all I want to be? If the answer, you know, if you do the work and you give it your all and that person doesn't want to be there, then don't be in the relationship anymore. And that's really what the uncoupling piece mm-hmm. is really about. It's the internal psychology of learning who you can become through this relationship, becoming the best version of yourself through this experience, through this pain, through this heartache. If I can see the light through the dark, really going through it, through the discomfort, and then asking yourself if we are a good match or not. Right. So I find it interesting when you were saying that it kind of just came to me now and that when we get and it's I can speak from experience when you get through when you get to the breakup part and either you saw it coming or you didn't see it coming. But you get to the breakup part and all you can think about is the other person. And if you hadn't thought about yourself enough through the relationship and now you're at the exit zone, you're getting off the train and it's like I haven't thought about me this whole time. And now all of a sudden I have to think about me when I should have been thinking about me three stops back, but I'm now not even on the train anymore, and I can only focus on the train that just left the station, when in reality, I should have never been focused on the train. I should have been focused on me on the train. Right. And so it's a day late and a dollar short where it's all taken away from you, and the thing you were focusing on, because that was where the focus should have not been, is it was ill-focused towards the other person, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um 
It's not it's, about the other person. It's about yourself. This person is here to mirror parts of yourself back to you. And if you could see that, it's the vulner, it's the key to intimacy into me, you see, <laughs> <laughs> is being vulnerable mm. and really looking at yourself. It's a it's a difficult journey to go on, but if you can look at yourself through this person's eyes and be like, okay. So before the relationship ends, you are evaluating yourself in the midst of the relationship. If you do uncouple, there's not as much of a transition shock of going, oh, I only think about this person. What makes them happy? Are they happy with me? Are, 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 are they, they, they? Mm-hmm. No. It's this idea of if you do uncouple and you've already been working on yourself and looking like you said into me, you see, and it doesn't work out, I think there's just more ingrained self-worth, it seems like, already in your bank account and like the emotional self-worth bank account that it, it, there's not as much trigger shock if it does end. And you can continue that journey on your on, – you know, it's going to hurt that the fact you don't have the other half, the partner, but at least you're still in your own body. Mm-hmm. And that's not new information to you if you are working on yourself in the relationship, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you allow yourself to be in a relationship, a real relationship, where the real part is reality – not lust. <laughs> Real love is what? Reality. Reality, yeah. right? R and then E, evolve. A, accept. And L, longevity, right? Mm-hmm. So the reality, reality of the reality. Evolve, accept, longevity. Yeah. And so you take a real look at your relationship, the reality of what the relationship is, not the la-la land. La-la land is the first few months of the relationship, the birds and the bees, the butterflies, mm-hmm. the attraction. It's so much deeper than that why you attract this person in your life, but we just want to ignore so many aspects of that because we want to fall in love. That's what we want so deeply. But there's so much more there than that. So you take a real look at this relationship. What have we brought each other? What what are my needs? What are your needs? What are our needs? Are we a match? We have to really talk. We have to have these real talks to mm-hmm. say what is it that we want out of our life and are we still a match? We've been together. Are we uncoupling? Are we still on the same page? Do we want to create the same things together? But nobody does that. Because they want to stay in the bursts of adrenaline and serotonin because that's a place where it's a vacuum, mm-hmm. I guess, that mm-hmm. nothing real exists. And I, But I, I just ask myself if I'm in that headspace – why do I not, why don't I want reality to exist? Is there something about my reality I don't want to face? Is there something about my reality that doesn't excite me every day that this person isn't going to fix you? Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to fix you. You have to fix you. You have to take a real look at yourself in the mirror and say, why did I attract this person in my life? And if this person isn't helping me become all that I want to be, then why do you want to be with them? And on a quick detour on this topic, People with, I think more and more people are living their lives online. Everyone has a brand, which I think is amazing. But there's the dark side of that with like narcissism and people in certain types of light. Like I think suggestive material is more, you know, there's this like meme of like us at 13 and these kids at 13, you know, that are much more sexualized as kids. Mm -hmm. And so I would say like, do you, what, how, my question would be like, how do you think, Gen Z's almost gotten the overstimulus version of living an adult, young adult life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be really empowering that they have so many outlets to, to, 
tune into, but they also have so much other kinds of exposure that are connecting their little brains with like, I have to look X, Y, and Z, or there's so much choice out there for other women, for other men to choose other women, other men, other women to choose other men. What is that you think doing to their brain? I think that most people, well, first of all, the internet, I mean, I've had my own reality show and it's fakeality, right? <laughs> it's not even real. Like right. there's so much the that highlights. is. Exactly. And so the when you see things on the internet, it's also, it's what people want to project out there, but is it really real? And it's a tough time, I think, for people because there is so much competition with the online dating and everything. Well, I think millennials had online dating became a thing. And then now you have Gen Z, which DMing on Instagram is a whole other level of unofficial online Mm -hmm. dating. And that created this reality of this beautiful girl who lives in Australia that all of a sudden you're infatuated with her life that your boyfriend's going to somehow find her. (laughs) Like it's just these very unrealistic ideas that somehow become realistic in an a disillusioned brain. <laughs> and what we all really end up wanting, no matter what generation it is, is to be loved. Mm-hmm. I think it just boils down to that, is that no matter what generation you are, whether you're silent generation, Gen Z, millennial, I have a child who's alpha, mm-hmm. you know, they, everybody just at their core does want to be loved and just allowing yourself to know that there's only one person out there that I need, you know, in order to make that happen. It's one person out of the billions of people out there. It's that one thing that I'm going to attract. But again, no matter what it is, we're going to attract what it is we need to learn about ourselves. But do you think Gen Z, do you think Gen Z is going to have a tougher time because there's so much overstimulus in their culture compared to even me in my late 30s, what was on the radar, which now currently is on the radar if you are somebody that's dating. It's it's all fair game and so much choice on the internet. Mm-hmm. And so how do you think that's affecting I think anything, dating these days? Communication has totally shifted where people are having a really tough time with communicating and then online sex and porn is easier to be accessed now. The average boy is eight years old who watches internet porn. It used to be like 12 or 13 at Mm -hmm. least. Yeah. So, and then they become really socially awkward. So they're unable to connect emotionally. You find being sexualized too early or engaging in sexual material makes them almost inept. So it's, it's almost like a counter, not even productive wouldn't be the right word, but a, a very oxymoronic It's a real dichot- pandemic dichotomy. out there, yeah. you know, for these, especially these young boys and men out there who aren't able to be in relationships because it is so socially awkward. It's so social fixed nowadays. Is there a numbing involved or a desensitization 
that takes place? I think so. And because it can be so exciting online that the real thing isn't ever going to be that. So it's really emotionally confusing. Mm -hmm. So I think the parents really need to be in charge. It's a parenting. It's a parenting epidemic. It really is Mm -hmm. because we're allowing our kids to be on these devices and these social apps. And so it's not Gen Z. It's it's really millennials and and maybe Gen X Mm -hmm. at this point. It's our parenting Mm -hmm. with these kids navigating those really just interesting waters just because there hasn't been long-term studies done, um, especially with with the Instagram generation, which are only in their like early to mid-20s right now. I was seeing this little girl on an elevator just going through TikTok on her parents' phone. Right. Just it's not three even Three seconds, three yeah. seconds, three seconds. You know, it's like, how are you the even going to span? Yeah. So the parents need to regulate it and really regulate it. It's uncomfortable to regulate your children's. The gambling light is just going off at such younger, uh, yeah, such, it's such an earlier point in childhood than mm. you would get, you know, sneaking into a casino and, and trying to pull a slot machine, like walking through, you know, the hotel or, yeah. But I think in the end, we all do want love. That's what we do want. So it's allowing ourselves to find that connection with somebody and allowing ourselves to be vulnerable and going through that discomfort and the fear that it is, you know, with relationship. Because it's a scary thing. It's just a scary world out there. Do you think it's good practice as well as a good source as it serves as both purposes is recognizing all the different kinds of love. You know, there's friendship love and like you said, there's of course first and foremost self-love and then there's professional love of really finding what makes you want to get up and be in the office or be on in the field or sit down at your computer, whatever it is that makes you excited uh, either for a short-term success or a long-term success. Do you feel like there's too much emphasis just put on romantic love and there's other types of love that should be like filling your cup with for the lack of a better term, um, before we get to this idea. I feel like romantic love's not a dress rehearsal anymore. And there's so many other types of love that there's not as much emphasis on that are also needed to have a healthy romantic love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, love is broken down into self-love, first and foremost, romantic love, child parent love mm. friendships and you know all that you, you want to create looking at those different areas of your life absolutely but i think it just really boils down to what we were talking about on self love just focusing on who you are what you want to create who you want to be and then you're going to attract the right person into your life because every person you attract into your life is the right person mm-hmm. because it is an opportunity for you to grow. It's the right person right now. It is. <laughs> Even if you're in a shit relationship, it's the right person. Because you're you a can, shit person, shit place in your life because you need to look in the mirror. Yes. Yeah. You need to take a look at yourself yeah. in the mirror. So we need to stop blaming everything else and just really take a real look at ourselves and and the whys behind where we're at and then put a plan together on where we want to go next. It doesn't matter how much distraction or what generation it is. It all comes down to the same algorithm. Because we are – Still human. Human. <laughs> we have, you know, we have these natural instincts. We want to love. We want to feel love. We want that emotional connection. We need that. 
So it's our instinctual beings of who we are. So we need to start. So we need to just stop the blame. Stop blaming. Stop blaming. Stop blaming. Take charge of our own life. Stop blaming the dating apps. Stop blaming. Mm-hmm. You know why women are the way they are and men are the way they are, and just ask ourselves who we are right. and what we want to attract in our lives. What are the qualities we want? Who Stay are in the your people lane. we are? It's Stay an individual in your lane. journey. Yeah. And if you are taking care of yourself and you have self-care, you will be attractive because it's this energetic thing that happens, you know, that people are attracted to. And so whatever that is for you. Your life will rise up to meet you. Mm -hmm. I do believe that. Mm -hmm. Do you find that because there's more at least visual options, uh, the idea of options, do you find that the divorce rate is higher or the breakup rate is higher? I think that people get divorced because they're not being fulfilled and they are quitting too soon. They're not Mm -hmm. uncoupling or they're not really analyzing their relationship and why it is the way it is and taking a real look at it. It's a cop-out. You're just quitting. And so you're not using it as an opportunity. So why are you – you have to really ask yourself, why am I even interested in looking at these different options out there? It's an excuse to pivot. Why do – why am I not just going through the discomfort of this person that I'm with right now and facing those things of why we're unhappy? It's back to self-reflection, people. It is always back to that. So it's not so much of the option that's available. It's the – as as the receiving end, as that's another human being, it's the idea that there's more option to cop out. Absolutely. I think yeah. it's always been that way. It used to be people met other people in bars. The now option, just, there was just less option. It was, it was the secretary or the bartender to cop out, and now it's a million plus one girls or men online to cop out. It's just still copping out. But it's regardless. still the same thing because you're not communicating through the issues that are happening. So if you can communicate through whatever it is that's going on with you, then you can have your real breakthroughs. So any relationship can last if you want it to last. Anyone can. If you want it to. If you want it to. And I do believe that the surprise and the happy meal is that you find that you don't want it to continue once you go through that personal list. If you, like you said, you're growing and the partner's not growing. If you can find the gifts, that is the number one thing is to find the gifts that person gave you no matter how toxic Mm -hmm. the relationship is. Find the lessons in the relationship. Take it for experience for you to evolve, to up-level, to become better, to be closer to who you want to be. That's this the person difference. has gifted you so much if you could just take it Well, that's as what that. uncoupling is versus yeah. breaking up. Yes. You get to take all of these gifts with you. They're, they're not going anywhere for your intents and purposes. But they will be repeated if you don't learn them. Mm-hmm. And you'll s- keep attracting the same person over and over and over again. So it's not really about the other people out there, the other options out there, why people are more likely to break up or get divorced. They're just not facing themselves. Mm -hmm. There are many people that get divorced that maybe probably shouldn't have gotten divorced because they haven't faced those things within themselves. So generational unlearning. 
I feel like different nationalities don't always grow up with therapy. A lot of Americans don't grow up with therapy. If you're dating a partner, because I think a lot of listeners have faced this before, and I'm sure you have as a mm-hmm. therapist, one wants to go to couples therapy, one doesn't want to go to couples therapy. And I think this does relate to this topic of generational generational unlearning. What is your advice as a professional when one wants to grow by going to therapy and one does not, do you think they're doomed? Are they meant for uncoupling? Do you find that the other person can learn a lot from the modeling that the person's trying to say, hey, let's go get help. Let's have a mediator that we can learn from. Do you, How do you feel when one person wants to go and one person doesn't? Well, this is when I do the be the lead of your own dance. Mm-hmm. You need to make the changes within yourself. So if your partner doesn't want to do the work that it takes, then you do the work on yourself yes. and see if you can inspire that change. And if it's within not inspiring the it and they don't feel they should be joining couples therapy after, you know, three, six months of you doing individual therapy and, like you said, being the change that this relationship needs to see, do you view that as – it's a done deal or no, I am so I have helped couples <laughs> that you would never think yeah. would last affairs having children with other people oh, you know I mean <laughs> sex lot. addiction yeah. like major major horrible things that you wouldn't want to find yourself in and they have made it. And sometimes it's one person coming in mm-hmm. and then they start doing the work on themselves in the 11th hour right before the relationship's going to end the and then the relationship can change. So I say you should always be looking at yourself. The one person that does want to do the work on themselves, start working on yourself. Don't play the blame game. Don't blame it on the other person. Ask yourself, why did I attract this person in my life? Why right. am I in this relationship? Why am I in this situation? Were my parents in this kind of dynamic? Mm-hmm. Okay, probably in some aspect they were. You probably find yourself in the same kind of something that your parents experienced. And Mm -hmm. then you might want to ask yourself about your partner's parents and what their relationship was like. And are they emulating that sort of dynamic in their life? So even if they can't get into therapy with you, you for whatever do it. reason, you can ask them. Absolutely. You can also like. just work on yourself and reflect on yourself and just start being the person that you mm-hmm. want to be. Get the work on yourself. And that's when the whole dynamic can change. And so I believe if a re- if you want to make the relationship work, you can make the relationship work. But even if it's not going to work, do the work on yourself so that when it ends, you'll be in a better space right. because this is an opportunity for growth. It does not mean your life is ending. It means it's about to begin. It is about to begin. Do you feel, though, that if one partner is open to therapy, they're modeling it, they're being the best they can be, and the other partner ultimately just doesn't come to the table, mm-hmm. do you feel like that is grounds for uncoupling or it would depend on the couple? It depends on the couple. Or one might not benefit from therapy but can still thrive into the, into their best selves and then the relationship can work with only one person going to therapy. So part of the real mm-hmm. is accept. So you have to accept your the other person Person's for who wishes. they are. Yes. Where yes. Okay. are they in their life? Is this like allow them to be when allow them to be who they are. When a person shows you who they are, believe, believe them. them. Maya Angelou. Maya said it Angelou. Best. She did. And so you have they're showing you 
who they are. And then so, you can assess if that's something on your rap sheet that you can live with or not. You cannot change a person. You can't. So you have to really ask yourself, can I be with this person? Are they going to still help me become all that I want to be? Which Will they inspire me? It's all about you. It's all about the self-work. I think that happens to a lot of couples that are one's off the wagon, one's on. So I think it's good to hear it eventually will come back again to yourself mm-hmm. of, oh, my my checklist changes as a result of that work. And so, so you can – Yeah. I mean people become so codependent in their relationship. So is it love or is it addiction? Mm-hmm. Is this love? Are we going through a rough patch or is it – am I just – looking at the other person to be my all, to make all of these changes for this person. It's not about the other person. It just never really is. Right. So generational unlearning, is that a process that you feel people can, I mean, like you said, you've dealt with all kinds of couples that have gone through pretty major issues. Do you feel like generational unlearning is something that it can be done in a relationship, but is there a certain age where less and less of it will be done by the or it, No, know. I think anybody can change if they want to change. You just have to face yourself and take a real look at yourself in the mirror. So you look at your past self, your here self, and your next self. It's all happening right now. Mm-hmm. Your past self, your past experiences have all influenced you to where you are today. That's your here self. And then who do you want to become? What kind of relationship do you want to be in? What kind of spouse do you want to have? What kind of experiences do you want to have? Relationships only last if you have a similar vision of what you want to create together. And you continue on going on that path. And you're continuing to learn and grow and inspire each other. And you become the longevity piece is becoming more and more intimate as the years go on. I mean, my husband and I have been together 19 years, and we're closer now and have a better sex life and a better intimacy intimacy now than we had. But we've had rough patches. You know, we've been on the brink of divorce. You know, we've been in not good places. But you use that, those times, as an opportunity to propel yourself forward. And so continuing to ask yourself, why am I in this situation? What is there to grow? What changes do I want to make if we want to make this last? If we're both willing to do the work on ourselves or if mm-hmm. one of us is and then we inspi- the other person is inspired yeah. to then – that's when it lasts. Or you do that until you realize we've outgrown each other. We want to go in a different direction. But I believe that any relationship – can make it if they want to make if it they want to make it work but you have to do the work and it just takes work but it's work is a good thing if you want to evolve it's hard to face those things within yourself that you don't want to be to make those changes it's not easy but it's totally doable what are the top 3 things when you say do the work that people can reach out to tactfully and do over the next month let's say Look at your relationship and ask yourself, what about this relationship? What is the pain in this that I need to heal within myself? And just take a a real look at yourself in the mirror and just be honest with yourself. And then start setting a goal of where you want to be. And with that goal, make a real commitment to yourself and push yourself through. Like an emotional state of when this person says this – 
I will then reflect back to myself and say, I'm not going to have any outbursts towards my partner. Or if I shut down, I'm going to be able to communicate no matter how much anxiety is filling up in my body that mm-hmm. I'm going to say, I love you very much. We have to, I have to take a break though. And assure that other person. I mean, it, it, would you say there's like a certain emotional playbook versus? Well, so that would be like more we're flooded, right? We're not emotionally regulated. Okay. So when I'm flooded and we're having an argument, I might need to take a time out. I always say you should have a code word when you are code flooded. Words. Having code words, they can be silly. Mine is Rumpelstiltskin. No. My husband. Yeah, it's like, I'm flooded, Rumpelstiltskin. Nobody can talk right now. We Do you have not to just walk laugh? away. You, well, the point is, right? You, that you it snaps you back to your real right? selves of reality. Yeah. So then you just take a step back and then you have a conversation when you're not so flooded with emotions. Because when you're so flooded, you're reacting rather than responding. Mm. Reacting versus responding. There's a big difference. So mm-hmm. when, when I react, it's I'm yelling, I'm screaming, I'm blaming, I'm tit shutting for down. tat, I'm shutting down, mm-hmm. you know, how whatever my attachment issues or how I argue with people, it's, that's another thing. How my parents responded, how they communicated is very much so probably how I communicate because that's who I learned to communicate through. Do you feel like that's still the case even with, app, you know, going into the industry yourself that you have – uh, almost Freudian instinct to go back to a certain kind of communication yes. style. Yes. Still, even Still. after. Yeah, it takes work. I'm very reactionary because my parents were react. Well, my dad shut down and my mom would yell and scream. And so I tend to be very reactionary. So I have to realize like, okay, I'm emotionally flooded right now. I need to take a step away. And then that allows intimacy to happen because then I can reflect upon myself and be like, oh my gosh, I am re- I'm reacting right now. This makes me really uncomfortable. I still have things that I need to work through. And so then I can come back and I can admit it. And that makes me vulnerable. And it allows your spouse to become more intimate with you. Mm-hmm. And so... So setting that goal. Setting of, that goal of how – well, how are we going to communicate and right. what are communication styles? And I think that you just have to have a talk with your your spouse on all of these things. We have to have real talks, and I call them relationship pacts. You know, you have to break down – I mean, if you are in a relationship, you have to have talks about all of the things that are points of contention. And what know? happens when – especially like dating in Los Angeles, for instance, mm-hmm. which I think – I think this bleeds past the borders of Los Angeles, but there's so many people that don't want to talk about these things. They they can't either uh, have the emotional wherewithal or, the like you said, the modeling where that's not how their language transpires. They're not used to talking about their feelings. So to then have to say a lot of things about their feelings and their desires and their wants, so they, they might not even have that internal dialogue with themselves. Would you say there's an immaturity issue or just not a suitable partner at the moment? Because I well, think a lot you, of people go through that. If you are that person that wants to learn and grow and have those conversations, then you just have to ask yourself if you're having a spouse that isn't wanting to do those things. I'm sure you find that a lot in therapy going, where people – are like I always it always fascinates me they're these very big kids they 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 pay taxes and they're you know have higher education but when it comes to emotional wherewith awareness mm-hmm. it's 
maybe they're at a loss for words because they haven't had those conversations with themselves. Well, this is when you go to your past self life, right? And again, you they are probably modeling how their parents mm -hmm. were. So if they want to make changes, they can. It might be uncomfortable. But if your goal is to stay in the relationship, they're going to do that. So again, is so that could right be a goal, match? stay in the relationship. I have worked with so many people over the years where one spouse might not want to be in therapy, but then they come to therapy and they're like, oh, wow, this actually was really helpful. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll blame the other person for where they're at. And, the per and then they realize, wow, it's actually me. You know, so why are we in this situation? You know, why did this person cheat on me? Or why are we here? Whatever the situation is, there's a lot more self-reflection there. And most people just rather hide their head in the sand mm -hmm. than to take a real look at themselves. And so I think taking facing yourself is the key to everything. And just being honest, not trying to hide your head in the sand. Right. You could have so many breakthroughs so much quicker if you're facing if you're facing the reality procrastination yeah. on all levels yeah. is just never the answer. Yeah. Yeah. So so facing yourself, set a goal, and then what would you say the third step or the third tool would be to to do the work P pushing through. So if that goal is big enough and you have a why behind it, so I want my relationship to work because I love this person and you know, whatever, like, I know I want to spend the rest of my life with them. I know it in my heart. You have the big enough why. And then you push yourself through and take all the necessary steps to get to that goal. Mm -hmm. And so pushing yourself through because it's very scary. Any Anytime we set a goal for ourselves, it's really scary because it's bigger than what we've ever accomplished before. Mm -hmm. It might be staying in the relationship. Our parents didn't last so we're not going to last or whatever it is pushing myself through something I, that i have never done before is very scary but on the opposite side of on the other side of fear is your goal mm -hmm. so you have to do the work that it takes you have to allow yourself to really face all of the things within yourself that you get to change within yourself to make the relationship work and the next thing I would ask you is to reverse that of like the goal of making the relationship work, as an example, is a lot of people have a hard time. They know deep in their hearts they want to break up. You hear people that divorce many after many years, oh, I knew on the wedding night. Mm. And how do you – what advice would you give in regards to generational unlearning? Like my mom stayed too long. My dad stayed too long. When you think you know a breakup should happen – what is the best advice or um, tools to face the breakup? Don't ignore the red flags. But how do you not do that? So many people do it over and over. And I think it goes back to probably the acronym of real, mm -hmm. reality. Right. And they don't want to face the reality yeah. on the other side of it. Because I'm so scared of being single. Single. I feel like this person, there's no other person out there. This is the only person out there for me. They don't understand alone isn't lonely. Mm -mm. And this person was still a gift in your life mm. because you're saying, right, that my parents stayed too long. Right. So then I'm staying too long. Monkey see, monkey do. We are all repeating generation after generation exactly what we saw. And it might not be an exact mirror, but there is a mirror there. And so then you get to ask yourself, 
do I want to continue this pattern? Do I want to continue to, to be this way? And if the answer is no, then you have to do the work that it takes to make those changes. And it's uncomfortable, but it's possible. And we've said this before on this podcast, but uncoupling is really just the catalyst to finding the relationship that will work. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking for a new relationship, you feel like you've done a lot of work. How can you avoid the pitfalls? Because like you said, it takes a long time to change. And even if you're doing the work, only 8% actually change. So how do you know that you're attracting the right partner when you've done the work so for when, your next relationship? Yeah. So here's a little activity you can do. Draw a – get a piece of paper. Draw a circle. And inside of that circle, write all of the qualities that that person had that I really love, okay. that I'm so grateful for. They were loyal. They're on time. They were affectionate. Whatever, they, whatever it they're is. Organized. Right, they're it organized. They're organized. It could be as fruitless or, or fruitful as possible. Whatever it is for you. The yeah. qualities that you really enjoyed about that person, put that in that circle. And then the qualities you didn't like about that person, write it outside of that circle. So then you have to then say, these are the qualities that I want to attract again, and these are the qualities that I don't want to attract again. But why am I attracting these kind of qualities in my life anyway? Why have I – why? What are the whys behind that? And that's how the you get the good qualities and the bad qualities. Right, right. And then you – and then you don't want to ignore the red flags when you have found that you're, again, attracting the same person in your life because you will be tested. You will attract the same kind of qualities the next time around with the person. And then you get to either respond or react to that dynamic, whether mm -hmm. I want to be in it. Am I going to ignore the red flags? Am I going to listen to the red flags? Am I just so desperate to be in a relationship? I'll take anything. Or do I value myself enough? And I find that people, like you said, are in relationships that aren't seeing eye to eye with their partners. I love that the list for themselves just ev eventually evolves if they're doing the work. So that what you once wanted, you'll no longer hopefully internally even want. Exactly. So it's not sad, more as liberating. It's so liberating. It is so liberating. I wrote a – in Breakup Emergency, the beginning of the book was, thank God my boyfriends broke up with me <laughs> because I was so desperately, like, depressed every time I got broken up with or every time I was in a toxic relationship. Mm. I couldn't seem to find my way. But then at the end, I was so grateful that I just became stronger through each experience and I got to reflect and grow and learn through each person because I chapters. even would look back <laughs> at all. I Even that's another great exercise is to look back at your past relationships yourself and what did you learn? What did this person bring you? How did they help you become more of who you are or not? What are the patterns that you continue to attract in your life? And then you get to ask yourself if I want to continue this or what is it that I want? Who do I want to become? What kind of relationship do I want to attract in my life? And you can do it. It's totally possible. Yeah, I think one of my biggest takeaways because I'm in my late 30s and I think I was usually the one broken up with, for those of you that can relate to that. And my biggest lesson in my late 30s, and it's a weird one because it sounds 
very masochistic or negative, but it's really the blessing is that I don't view it as negative at all is that I always thought love was this end all be all. And the reality of the logistics of life is that love has its place on the shelf, but it's not the big circle when you do all of the different bubbles. Mm -hmm. There's so many other ways that people show up for you in their in, in your life that are just other than that feeling of I can't live without them because that's lust. It's not necessarily love. Yeah. And and knowing that I would rather have a really fruitful life with my friends. I'd really have a really fruitful life with my hobbies, pursuing my professional uh, endeavors. And there's only 24 hours in a day. And not discounting all the other parts of your life that are also very loving and discounting this idea that romantic love is the foundation of your life and then everything is built on top of it. The self-love is the end-all be-all. Mm -hmm. Being true mm -hmm. to yourself is the end-all be-all. And I think you just put too much, or at least I say you, collective you, myself, mm -hmm. is that you, we put so much emphasis on romantic love. Right. And it supersedes any other type of love. And then it's this house of cards because you can't control another person's actions. Mm -hmm. And it's such a beautiful blessing to realize love is just one of the components. Mm -hmm. Romantic love is one of the components in companionship and dependability and financial responsibility and you know, humor, the best friend quality. Like there's so many other aspects that make a relationship. And uh, to not let the the sixteen year old generational well, that's it. It's your kid run the show. Your your path. Your kid is attracting yeah. the relationship in your life. So, what part of myself am I seeing when I attract this person in my life? This person isn't going to fix me. This person isn't going to save me. I I have to do all of that work on myself. But this person can't. Even if the relationship's not good, this person should inspire you to become all that you want to be. The answer should never be, "I just can't live without that other person." No, because that's that's what a, the sixteen-year-old says, and then the adult woman says, "I really love this person, but if I had to, I could live without them." And that's not hurtful. That's just it should be just the truth. You should want that for each other. Mm -hmm. Both of you should want you to become the best version of yourselves. That is an amazing relationship if you both want each other to become all you can be and do all the gifts that you have and create everything that you want in life. That is a healthy relationship. And to learn through each other, that's what it really is about. That's what it's about. So do you have a words of wisdom? We've got an elevator pitch is what I call it on generational unlearning. What's the number one piece of advice or message that you would want to tell people about generational unlearning that those are not that are not familiar with it you have to face what you saw from your parents mm -hmm. or whoever it was that raised you really break it down in how they are as people how everything just how did they live their lives what are the traumas so many of us have trauma that we've experienced in our lives, and then we're trying to heal ourselves through our relationships. So it's really facing those things within myself, those wounds that are still there. How can I grow through them to heal? And it is absolutely possible, but you just have to be true to yourself. 
by taking a real look at yourself in the mirror and face those things within yourself that you can learn and grow. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's really nice to have a guide <laughs> when, uh, when facing a breakup. Thank you so much for listening to Uncoupling this week. And thank you, Dr. Humor, for having us just pick your brain from every ends of the earth. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and sign up for our, our Patreon page to get exclusive content. We'll see you next week. Uncoupling podcast is produced by Stampede Ventures, Jason R. Ellis, and Holland Roden.